gather around a God who is faithful in love. Aren't you thankful for that? That the one true living God who is worthy of our worship, who is trustworthy, who is reliable, who is creator, who is redeemer, who is protector, who is provider, the God who is faithful in love. I'm thankful that that is who God is. And if we turn to the scripture today, I want to just remind us where we've been as we've been in Paul's inspired letter to Ephesian believers. We've been looking at the truths of love speaks, agape love, God's kind of agape love. It listens, love cares. Love guides. Love guides people to Jesus. Love cares and in its heart it's been shaped by God and and so it guides people to Jesus. Love encourages. And we're talking about how we use our mouth, how we communicate with people. Love reconciles and love restores. Uh, Last week we talked about how love tells stories and how we can tell stories like Jesus did to communicate the truth of God's love, to communicate the good news of Jesus, that there are many different ways of doing that. Um, Today, I want to come back, get a little bit more specific, read a little bit more Scripture so we have some context here, and talk about the truth that love talks about Jesus. Because this verse talks about speaking the truth in love. So I'm going to back us up a little bit because my desire is that today the Word of God for you is relevant, simple, memorable, and powerful. Is that possible? Do you think that's possible? Okay. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 16. Paul writing to the group of believers, says this, I pray that from His, from God's, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then, Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Meaning, as we rely on Jesus Christ for salvation, that spiritual strength would be included, that our lives, your roots, will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That you would anchor your life, build your life like building the foundation of a house, that where you draw your primary spiritual strength, where you draw most of life from, would be down into God's love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love is. That we would grow in an understanding that it goes beyond our challenges. It will outlast our challenges. Verse 19 May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. 
Then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. In many places in the New Testament it talks about spiritual growth and how we are both complete in Jesus. We can rest in our salvation in that we've been made clean. We've been given a new spiritual life. God now looks at us through the sacrifice of Jesus. So we are complete in that sense. But Greek grammar, which is more complex than English grammar, also carries with it not only is it completed now, but it is progressively being made more complete. So we have both justification, which happens as we repent and receive salvation in Jesus, but then also sanctification as we walk it out, as we receive God's love and let it fill us completely, pressing out that which is not Jesus-like. Does that make sense? It's a part of what is being discussed here. Verse 20, Now all glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. We prayed for an impossible prayer request earlier. We're going to continue to do that. God is able. Glory to Him in the church. And in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever, amen. The church, the, those who are believers in Jesus, those who have a relationship with Jesus, the relationship with Jesus has changed their lives. And they've chosen strategic relationship with each other. That's the church. And then starting in verse 1, we get some pretty profound, often quoted out of context verses that are talking about Jesus as Lord and referencing big teachings in individual phrases that include who God is, what God has done, what God is still doing, but also who Jesus is. And there's a little bit of mystery to it. I just want to highlight, I want to lift lift verse 10 from the text. Talking about Jesus who ascended, who was with Father God from the beginning, who was there at creation. So Jesus was ascended, and it's important for us to note in the scripture the difference between singular and plural uses of the word heaven. Heavens primarily references the spiritual realm, the heavens. Sometimes it even references our natural skies. But heaven, singular, is referencing that place of the presence of God. It talks about how Jesus had lived on this earth. He ascended and he descended. But also how he descended during those three days when he died. But referencing that and God's purpose, it says in verse 10, that Jesus did all of that so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Whoa! That is also something that is done, is being done, and will yet be made complete. And I want us to be careful. I'll make a brief note here. Let us not be deists. You often hear me reference how Jesus is seen In a vision at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Jesus himself refers to the way he is praying for us. But I want to be really careful that we don't feel like Jesus is distant. Mm 
Jesus also told his followers he would never leave them, he'd never forsake them. We also see in the New Testament the truth that they believed when they agreed together in faith that Jesus was in the room. That when they shared the Lord's table, they believed so powerfully that Jesus was in the room. They saw healing miracles when they would share communion. We're going to share communion in the Lord's table next week. We must believe Jesus is with us here and now. And certainly... We believe in the Holy Spirit. And certainly Jesus taught us to pray pray to God the Father. A lot of truth packed in these verses. Jesus is near. I hope that resonates with you this morning. Let's go to verse 13. Which is talked about the fivefold gifts. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles equipping believers for the work of the ministry, encouraging, and the church, we talked about this already, building each other up. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature, and it really should read maturing, in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What could be also translated becoming more like Jesus. Every day becoming more like Jesus, which will be completed totally when Jesus returns or when he is revealed. That day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. Verse 14. As we're becoming more like Jesus, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. What was happening at that day and is happening today is there were certain specific people teaching certain specific things that were deceptive, that were focused primarily on the identity of Jesus and secondarily on the authority of the spiritual leaders in the church in an effort to pull people away from the fellowship of the church. It was specific teaching. No, Jesus isn't all that, and those spiritual leaders aren't all that. Come away, leave the fellowship. That specific teaching is what's being referenced here. It's always important to us when we read Scripture, let's make sure we understand what it meant to them before we do anything else. Make sense? Interpretation, exegesis, right? So, we will not be influenced with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, that which is known, that which is reliable, that which is trustworthy, that which has been confirmed. Truth about Jesus. We will speak the truth in agape love, that word used there again, right? Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. That analogy of us as believers, strategically connected, committed relationship with each other, but where Jesus is the head. Jesus is the brain. Jesus is the the, the nervous system. Jesus is the consciousness. Jesus is leading us. He makes the whole body, Jesus, fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. We're we're active. We've been graced by Jesus and each of us are bringing to the table that which God has graced us with. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Doesn't that sound good? 
So make you think of some ways in which our relationships are already healthy and already good and already mutually beneficial. And maybe it inspires us to increase the ways in which our relationships with each other would be healthy, full of love, mutually beneficial. Focused on Jesus. I'm going to do a little bit unusual today, and I want you to talk to me out loud. I want to ask a couple of questions, and I'd like to hear responses from you. Who is Jesus Christ? Savior? Sorry, I didn't catch who said that, but to give you credit, but... Okay, Savior, Son of God, Son of Man. Right, beautiful, heard those together. Fully divine and fully human. Had a fully human experience, right? God with us, Emmanuel. Firstborn from the dead. The one who leads the way in the resurrection. Anyone else? The great high priest. The great high priest. Powerful truth there. Okay. Again. Ah, yes. Creator and sustainer of everything. That, whoa, could spend hours on that. Powerful truth. Yes. And there was, I think, a couple of others. Erica? Giver of salvation, right? Waymaker. Was there another at the same time? Lamb of God. Okay. When Jesus reappears, we're all on earth, are aware that the day of the Lord has come. What will Jesus bring? An ultimate of peace. The shalom, the erene, the fully complete, no system being too complex for God's love, God's full health, that, that peace, no more conflict. No more conflict, no more enemy overpowering or limiting or hindering in any way, shape, or form God's purpose in the world, right? Ultimate peace. And something else, what will Jesus bring? Restoration. Restoration, that's right. That's right. That, that teaching is, is one that in our network of churches is very, very strong. Restoration. Anyone else? Joy. Joy. Yeah. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is righteousness, pure, right standing, good relationship between us and God and us and other humans. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done. When Jesus returns, when he reappears, the day that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, it will be that ultimate day for the rest of eternity of righteousness, peace, and joy. Victory. Victory in that DNA, righteousness, peace, and joy. What will Jesus bring? Victory. So if we are 
not going to be tricked. And we are going instead to speak the truth in love that is focused on Jesus. The Bible is perfect in its revelation of Jesus. We can actually take from this verse that one way we become more like Jesus is talking about the truth of who Jesus is in love. So let me ask this question. From your reading of Scripture, what is Jesus like? compassionate. Yeah, that means to suffer with. I come next to the person who is suffering. I don't start with my list of you shouldn't have done this and that. But he, Jesus did say go and sin no more, but he suffered with and he brought healing. Yeah, Jesus is compassionate. Others, what is Jesus like? Forgiving in like a supernatural way. Right? Releasing people from their guilt. The message he taught primarily we see was there is forgiveness for all who believe. Wow. Compassionate, forgiving. What else? Speaks with authority. Speaks with authority. Very important. No one else in all of human history has predicted that they would be killed and that they would come back to life on the third day. Proof positive that our reasonable response is to believe that he is who he said he is and that we should bow at his name. And so when he speaks, when we read his words, we should read them with humility. He speaks with authority. What else? What is Jesus like? Compassionate, forgiving, speaks with authority. Obedient? That's right. He obeyed the Father. Father, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Within the relationship in the Trinity, we see mutual submission. We see Jesus submitting to the will of the Father. He spoke up for those who needed his, his support. Right. He spoke up for those who could not change their circumstances themselves, those who could not speak up for themselves. He speaks up for those who were oppressed, those who were segmented in society, marginalized in society. Meant a lot to me when my cousin, when her husband killed himself. One of the things that we did was we went through the Bible study of what God feels about women who have lost their husbands. The widow Powerful Bible study. Beautiful Bible study. Jesus speaks up for those who cannot speak for themselves. What else? What, what about Jesus? Community activist. Community activist. Did I hear you right, Stephen? Okay. Yes, a community activist. Interesting throughout Scripture, side by side, we see Jesus mentioning the Spirit and the Word, mercy and truth. And throughout the scripture, we also see two words side by side. God's righteousness and justice. God will bring judgment on those who are unrepentant. God is and will make right the wrongs. And one thing that I notice that's interesting in scripture, Stephen speaks to Jesus as the community activist. 
Don't have time to get into all of it today. But religious leaders who vocationally were representing the worship of Yahweh were doing injustice to whole segments of people. When you see Jesus sandblast them with harsh words, it's always in the plural tense. You don't see Jesus do that in the singular tense. His singular tense was private with Nicodemus. Jesus using the plural tense, Jesus was speaking against their system. He spoke against a system of injustice. And his kingdom of shalom, of arena peace, is making right what has been wrong, bringing everyone to a place of wholeness. And what did Jesus' followers do? They gave time, energy, money because they loved. City Harbor Church, we give our time, energy, and money because we love. Jesus is a community activist inspired those that saw him with their own eyes, heard him with their own ears, to sell their possessions, to pool funds as a community to meet the needs of those those who were in need. Jesus is a community activist. He just didn't do it the way that some expected. But it's a very important truth. One of the study Bibles I got a couple years ago is the Justice Study Bible. I'm glad you mentioned that, Stephen. Somebody else? What's Jesus like? Wise. Yes, wise. Oh, the wisdom of Jesus. And we see whether it is in his teaching, in his actions, in times when he chose to be silent, in his parables, he shows wisdom. Wisdom is, uh, there's a knowledge of facts, a knowledge of truth, And the strategic discernment of how and when they should be used. And it's founded in a fear of God. We find all that in Proverbs. Okay, so a lot of things about Jesus. So, I want to come right to what we should do about this. To just kind of help us and unpack it. I'm sorry I didn't prepare jokes this week. There was a time constraint but you notice I'm standing. That's good. What should we do? Spend daily relationship time with Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus should be first and foremost transformative. Hello? Our relationship with Jesus should change us from the inside out. And what I heard today and the responses about who Jesus is and what Jesus is like came from people that have had a transformative relationship with Jesus. All the time you've spent with your, in your relationship with God in the past is beneficial. But it does not negate your need to spend time with God today. My mom's brother just passed away. She's grieving his loss, but spent the weekend speaking at a ladies' conference. She's still grieving his loss every day. Just because I talked with mom a few days ago doesn't replace the benefit that could come from talking with her today. Where's your relationship 
with Jesus? Do you believe Jesus is near to you? You sense his presence, discern what there is to learn. And what comes in from that transformative, out of what Jesus does in making us righteous in an instant, in that justification, the sanctification, the journey then comes, I'm learning more and more. Maybe you learned something today from something someone else said. This is us following the instruction of Scripture. This is us helping each other, learning each other. In restoration, we talked about training each other. Are you learning more about what Jesus is like? What does he care about? What makes him angry? What draws sadness? What draws joy? Are you learning more about what Jesus is like? Who Jesus is and what Jesus is like? Every section of your Bible speaks to who Jesus is. The Bible is perfect in its revelation of Jesus. So daily, if we're spending relationship time with Jesus, it should include transformative, wonderful grace-giving, life-giving experiences, but also engage our whole person, including our intellect, to also learn more about who Jesus is. Number three, this is real practical, but I've found that some of us don't want to do it. Set aside relationship time with your church family. If we're going to follow the guidance of this section of Ephesians, it can only be done including relationship time with each other. It's very difficult for me to say, going through the health challenge I am, and feeling so limited in my own ability to do it. Because most of the last three months, I've literally only had the energy outside of Sunday to have two phone calls. My, my, My mom's brother was declining in health. There were days I literally could have the strength to speak on the phone. But relationship time with each other is a priority. So that, number four, we can talk with each other about Jesus. Our priority conversation should be about Jesus. Speaking the truth about Jesus in love. Not in harsh hey, I'm going to put you on a trivial pursuit, and if you don't know all the details I know about Jesus, you should feel less than me. No, 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 no. Out of an overflow of our heart, in a contagious way, talking about who Jesus is. This, I believe, we can rightly interpret from this Scripture, is a method by which we can become more like Jesus. So, let me give you an example of this. Jesus is compassionate, empathetic, and patient. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4-7, what do we see? Love is patient. Most of my life, I have been impatient. So part of my conversation with you can be, Jesus has been so patient with me. I want to be more patient. Can you help me become more patient? Am I making any sense? If we have an equality in our relationships, a love in our relationships, 
if our relationships are focused on and anchored in Jesus Christ, it should help eliminate any insecurity or pride or other things that would get in the way of us having this kind of conversation. I was born on a Wednesday and in church on a Sunday, morning and night services, three services in the morning. But I've not had a ton of conversations like that with Christians. I believe that God is doing a cleansing work in what we call the church in America today. I believe God is helping people understand that it's not event attendance. That it's following Jesus. That it's relationship with Jesus. That it is meant to be communal. That it is meant to be about love and be signed with unity and forgiving each other, patient with each other. And that it's meant to have some focus, some priority. And that in all of that, We are not trying to change our behaviors out of shame and legalism, but we are transformed by receiving the miracle of grace and that the love in our relationship with God becomes healed and strengthened and out of an overflow We focus on that in our relationships with each other. And from there, any amount of our meeting the needs of our community through compassion, with authority, with activism, is from the foundation of the agape love of God. But it does not happen if we are not having conversations with each other about who Jesus is inspired by that, that we would hear where the Holy Spirit identifies we need to change one area, one step at a time through His gentle leadership and then encourage each other in those steps of change, becoming more like Jesus. Any guilt brings us to simple repentance, to confess what's been wrong, to turn away from it. Receiving the forgiving grace of God as the miracle that it is, that an overflow of love is an essential part of who we are. Most people who are invited to church come if in some way they want to be like the person who invites them. When we present who Jesus is, when we live like Jesus, when we're becoming more like Jesus, when we present how good and beautiful and kind Jesus is, no matter what is at the top of their mind, people want that. They want that. They will smell it on you. They will hear it in your voice and the tone of your voice. They will desire that. Your home, your parking lot at work, your street will become the place where they find Jesus. They will come here for equipping. Let's close in prayer.
It was kind of a mouthful. (laughs) I love you all so much, and I'm so glad for the miracle of what God is doing in and through us and all the different complex conversations that do need to happen in our communities that if we lead with Jesus, that nothing is too complex for our God. Oh God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you have done. We believe that if you said it, you'll do it. We believe that if we will love you, receive your grace, that you will change us, our homes, our workplaces, schools, and communities. So we say, Lord, come. Have your way in us. We receive your love and we love you. Help us to talk with each other about Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for this message from the Word. Thank you for what you're doing among us. Thank you for the miracles that are yet to come. But God, we say you are more than enough already. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week. Oh, before we release, Erica is going to come up and going to give her the mic. Will you welcome Erica this morning?